0: It's time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Good to have you with us this Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. Kurt Allen of Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com drops by the show today. A little early season NBA chat with him. Odds and Ends wraps it up with the Stories maybe not getting as much coverage as they should. Contender Pretender with Sam Yarnell is coming up in a few minutes. We'll get into the Monday night football game, which Sam actually went to. I feel bad that he had to attend it. (laughs) There is big news coming from the Buffalo Bills on the heels of a loss last night. Uh, at home to the Denver Broncos. The late pass interference call uh, that you saw there setting up uh, a field goal attempt which would go astray, and unfortunately for the Bills, they had too many men on the field. Sean McDermott, probably not very happy. Will Lutz missing wide right. I actually heard somebody in the bowling alley go, oh my God, he missed it! And I looked up and he missed it, and I said, yeah, but there's flags down, and judging where the flags were, I was like, this is definitely going against Buffalo. And it did. Lutz got another shot uh, from 41 yards, and this time, he had no trouble. Uh, he puts it through the uprights for an improbable 24-22 win for the Buffalo Bills on the road, uh, or for the Broncos on the road, I should say. And look, all of a sudden, they're 4-5. and five. <laughs> It's just I mean, remarkable to think about when you consider where this team was, how bad they were uh, for so much of the early season. Oh, there is Sam Yarnell. Looking dapper as ever, in front of some nice, fancy, schmancy artwork. Uh, so probably somewhere near Buffalo. We've kept them away from the sharp objects this morning. And Sam joins us on the program. So Sam, let's talk about this uh, loss for the for the Buffalo Bills and the big news of the day: Ken Dorsey, their offensive coordinator, is out of a job. Tell us your thoughts as a as a Bills fan, as somebody that's in the belly of the beast that was at this game last night, sort of uh where this team is right now.
1: Jason, first of all, it's good to be back. I'm we missed glad you that I don't have to. We missed you after we missed through. you.
0: We missed you on the day off yesterday.
1: I'm sure. Nick and Ferguson you know. filled
0: in admirably, though, I have to say. You did almost I, get I'm... Wally Pipped.
1: It would have been it would have been understandable had I been wally pipped. Uh that said, I'm just glad I'm not gonna have to live through that again, man. That was that was painful. Uh I actually tweeted last night about how I left the game early and why. If you want to know why, go over to my Twitter at Sam underscore Yarnell or X as Jason likes to call it, but I'm still not on that wave. Listen, I think Quentin Spain, who's a former offensive lineman for the Bills, And a journeyman offensive lineman he played in cincinnati among other places but he's played for good teams and i think he put it best he tweeted uh right after adam Schefter dropped the news that that dorsey had been fired quentin spain just simply quoted the tweet and said they fired the wrong guy because they did uh it's a scapegoat move it's a sacrificial lamb at the end of the day this is not the problem the problem is sean mcdermott uh sean mcdermott is a good coach he's a He's a very good coach at what he does, uh, and that's take terrible teams and turn them into decent teams, which is what he did with the Carolina Panthers as the defensive coordinator under Ron Rivera. Uh, And it's what he did, same with Joe Brady, as a matter of fact, uh, and it's what he's done here with the Buffalo Bills. There needs to be a complete cleaning house, and it becomes a little more problematic because, as uh, Nate Geary so eloquently put it, if everyone would go back and remember when McDermott was hired he had the liberty to choose his own GM they let him pick the GM and he brought in Brandon Bean so Brandon Bean is forever indebted to Sean McDermott and is never going to fire Sean McDermott this is going to be a problem that ownership will have to step in and do something about and say to Brandon Bean either you both go or just he goes because Sean McDermott is has proven himself over the last I would say seven weeks this season, ever since the commanders game, which I believe was week three, uh, he's proven himself as a coach who's never going to win the big game. He's never going to lead this team to where they need to be, because every time he says that something needs to change, he changes it and it's the wrong thing. So it's time to clean house in Buffalo. Yeah, and do- it was the beginning of that.
0: Uh, well, Dorsey is the is the sacrificial lamb, but it's it's the warning shot over the bow to Sean McDermott that if this thing doesn't get turned around, and at five and five, and the way this team's playing right now, there's little reason to believe it's going to change. But you never know. We thought Buffalo, we thought Denver was dead in the water, uh, and, and look what they've turned out to be. So you know, a, a lot of things could still happen. There's still you know basically another half of the season uh, to go, or roughly there about seven games to go, but. You have to think that the next firing that will take place at the end of the season uh, will be that of Sean McDermott if we're talking about a situation here where Buffalo um, can't get this turned around. But some culpability has to be on the players. You know, Sean McDermott isn't throwing the interceptions. He isn't having the ball ripped out of his hands after a reception on the sideline. Neither is Ken Dorsey. and And McDermott kind of went out of his way to say... You know, after the game, look, this is this is you know, players have to be held responsible. And then the next morning you see Ken Dorsey get fired, which kind of tells you somebody up above said, hey, somebody has to be held accountable at this point. Somebody's head has to go on a stake um, after this sort of loss. But I mean, the reality is they're fourth to last in the league in turnovers, not a place you want to be. And granted they are able to to create some turnovers, so the plus minus may not be as bad. But ultimately, you got to look at Josh Allen, too. you got to look at the way this offense operates. And frankly, I'm not going to go after the defense last night because in a couple of really tough situations where the ball was turned over, they only gave up a couple of field goals. The problem here is the offense. And, you know, a lot of times we can look at rosters of mediocre teams or teams that go through ruts and say, well, all right, they're starting to come back down to reality. They're regressing to the mean. There's talent on this team. It is inexplicable for this team to be 5-5. Five and five. It's inexplicable that this team hasn't scored more than 25 points, I think, now since week four. So somebody had to be held accountable. They do that with Ken Dorsey. Yes, is it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? Probably. But we'll have to see here hear what happens over the last seven weeks. And if this wakes up some people, sometimes a shakeup like this can, can get guys' eyes opened. Hey, if they could do this to him, they could do it to anybody. You know, maybe my job's at stake at the end of the season. Guys that aren't aren't on these guaranteed long-term contracts that start to say, hey, I've got to start producing. I've got to start showing up. We'll find out if that happens here with Buffalo over the last seven weeks. But I tell you, the flip side of this, with Dorsey being fired and, and everything going on in Buffalo, the Broncos all of a sudden look like a decent football team. Now we all laughed at Sean Payton after they gave up 70 and Vance Joseph after they gave up 70. The defense has been really good in the aftermath of that loss against the Dolphins. And offensively, you're seeing Russell Wilson make enough plays and this team all of a sudden is four and five. I don't know if they can complete the rally and and somehow make a run to the postseason. But for the first time in what feels like a long time, In Denver, it feels like there's some hope for this team.
1: I'm so glad that you brought up the Bills defense because that was the only impressive stat to me last night was you had a defense that, like we talk about so often, missing their only All-Pro and their defensive play caller for the season, missing their cornerback one in Christian Benford last night, Tredavious White, cornerback two, out for the season, Micah Hyde out last night, significant snaps being played by Taylor Rapp, and the Bills defense allowed six points on four turnovers. The Denver Broncos turn the Denver Broncos defense, which has been electric ever since the Miami game, seemingly to me. Especially in the again, in the Kansas City game, the Denver, Kansas City game. I know Mahomes had the flu. That whole team was sick. Yada, yada, yada. Sure. You hold the defending Super Bowl champs to nine points. It's impressive. I don't care if Mahomes isn't even playing. Uh The Bills are in such a wild situation and circumstance. It's one that we haven't, to my mind, seen before. Because as much as we should put onus on the players, it is. This is a pattern with the coaches. James Cook was uh, fumbled on the first snap of the game, sat the whole first half as Sean McDermott to do so significant runs being run by 33 year old lat murray the oldest back in the nfl that is a sean mcdermott choice he had the player that in james cook that he knew could make the explosive plays and he chose to bench him because he messed up one time it is a coaching decision go back two seasons 13 seconds right the 13 second game against the chiefs super bowl trip on the line sean mcdermott absolutely blows it from beginning to end kicks a touchback into the end zone instead of telling the kicker tyler bass to to squib it right at an offensive lineman who was going to be a blocker then plays prevent defense the entire way down the field and lets travis kelsey catch three balls right in the middle of the field for 15 yards each they go marching down it is insanity on behalf of Sean McDermott, to continue to do the same thing year in, year out, make these minute changes and say the same thing to the media in every single press conference. Oh, it's accountability. You've got to do your 111. All these coaching cliches that drive me up a wall... I'm tired of it. He's got to go. Uh, as much as we can sit here and say, yeah, Josh Allen shouldn't have, should have gone through to his fifth progression on the pick that he was trying to throw to Deontay Hardy the, when James Cook was wide open in the flat with, whatever, 40 seconds to go in the second quarter. You get into the nuts and bolts of the circumstances. You think, okay, you probably didn't want to throw it into the flat. There's 40 seconds left. They have one timeout going up into the half. Uh I'm just I'm not completely sold on saying that this is all the player's fault or, or or even that it's the majority of the player's fault. I think this is like 75, 25 coaches to players the the problems in Buffalo right
0: now. Uh, Terry and Kimpagula, you have to think at some point are gonna you know when when, the, when you watch the the decision to take Woods out and put him on the sideline, I guarantee you I, I've, I've seen enough owners uh read enough about a lot of owners that's the sort of stuff when they see that and they're watching Latavius Murray carry the ball in the first half that's the kind of thing that has to drive an owner insane watching that sort of well we're going to cut our nose despite our face sort of mentality that that Sean McDermott takes we're going to teach a lesson here while going to five and five on the season by the way To go back to Denver for a second, if we're going to crush Russell Wilson for the season he had last year, albeit with Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach, got to talk about the way he's played this year. 18 touchdowns to four interceptions. It's going to give your team a chance to win if the defense does its job. Wilson's played pretty good football this year. I mean, if we're talking halfway point of the season, we're talking about a guy that's probably going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. If you if you're if you're looking at the way he's played through the first yeah. half of the season. And again, at sure. four and five, and we could sit here and, and talk about the the mess that is Buffalo. Um <laughs> Buffalo has the same number of losses right now as the Denver Broncos. Uh when you look ahead at the schedule here for, for for Denver, might be an opportunity. We'll have to see what happens here in the second half of the season. All right, as we continue with the show, I want to get into contender pretender. Mm. One of our favorite things to do on the program on Tuesdays. Talk about the teams we think are legitimate contenders for this week. To make a run at a division, wild card, Super Bowl. But we could also get into the pretenders. And oh, do we have a huge list to choose from for that. That is we continue on the Sports wrap, Stay with us. Continuing on this Tuesday edition of the show, Kurt Heelan coming up in 15 minutes breaks down the NBA. All right, we talked about the good, bad, and ugly that was the Bills losing at home to the Denver Broncos. It's time for one of my favorite things we do on this show every week it's the week-to-week nature of the nfl sometimes you're the bat sometimes you're the ball sometimes you're the fly sometimes you're the windshield it's contender pretender here on the sports wrap
1: all right sam
0: give me three contenders and three pretenders
1: I think I think sometimes you're the golf club and sometimes you're the ball because it's it's more than baseball, man. You really get compressed some of these weeks, especially if you're me, and especially if you're a gambler and you're following my picks. My gosh, not the last two weeks though—six, one, and one. Prince versus the uh, Page versus the Prince. Last two weeks, so hope you've been tailing. Let's get into it. My contenders leading off the list—a team that I've fallen in love with. A team that I talk about every week on this program. My first contender, Jason, is the Minnesota Vikings. I think this team is going to cruise to a playoff spot with the Pastronaut. That guy is absolutely electric. I've completely come around on him. Going into the season, I'm sure you remember, I was lower than low on Josh Dobbs and the Cardinal offense, and Jason was higher than high on them. I'm talking the California medical high on the (laughs) Arizona Cardinals and Josh Dobbs. Uh, In Minnesota, he's twice as electric. Uh, That receiving core around him, all those weapons, and a good defense on the other side, Josh Dobbs is actually the real deal and he'll make a lot of money as a backup quarterback in this league for a long time this season he's got the reins to the vikings and he's going to lead them to the playoffs they might even get a playoff win but the vikings are playoff contenders right now and they'll be playoff contenders for the rest of the season for me my next contender the cleveland browns the cleveland browns have proven that not only is that defense they can hold their own against any team in the league. That offense can get it done too, folks. Deshaun Watson came back and he didn't even have to play a great game to get that offense in the game, the entire game, enough that the defense made made a stop when it mattered. I'm really starting to come around on the Cleveland Browns. I think that there's a chance, especially after this Thursday night football game, that the Cleveland Browns could contend for the AFC North title. I think the Cleveland Browns could be your division winner in the AFC North this year. They're my second contender. And my last contender, maybe my favorite offense in the NFL. I talk about them every week. It's the Houston Texans. It's got to be. The Houston Texans are an absolute electric factory. The D'Amico Ryan's defense, Tank Dell, C.J. Stroud, the best rookie quarterback in the league. The Houston Texans are gonna win the AFC South. I've got my money on it. I've already put my money where my mouth is. The Jacksonville Jaguars are crashing and burning. The Houston Texans are AFC South contenders. All right. Now the fun part. Come on, lay it on me, baby. My first pretender, Jason, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're horrible. They're awful. They're crashing and burning. Trevor Lawrence is not that guy. They put up three points. Trevor Lawrence has nine touchdown passes through 10 weeks of the NFL season. My God, that team is fraudulent. The Jacksonville Jaguars might not win another game this season. They're horrible. They're the biggest pretenders in the league. My second pretender is really just a shot at a head coach. Nothing more. But the Atlanta Falcons, whatever you thought they were gonna do this year, however good you thought they were gonna be, they're a pretender. What is Arthur Smith doing with this team? This is a guy who looked like a totally different human being in Tennessee, even last year. And now, you put B. John Robinson on that roster. Three of the most electric young Athletes in the NFL between Bijan, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London, and Arthur Smith isn't using any of them. He's handing the ball to Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson in meaningful snaps inside the ten. I don't get this. Whatever you thought the Falcons were going to be, they're not that. And Arthur Smith, maybe the worst coach in the league now that we don't have guys like uh, Hoodie out in Vegas. My final pretender, Jason, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a bad team. I just don't think that they're gonna get a playoff win even if they make the playoffs because of their quarterback. This is a quarterback pretender. Kenny Pickett is not the guy in Pittsburgh. If they really wanna get serious because they have a great defense, an all-time head coach, Matt Canada, This is something I know people may not agree with, but I think Matt Canada's an okay coordinator. He just has a quarterback running his offense who's incapable of anything. Najee Harris isn't bad. Jalen Warren is great as a young back. George Pickens is an amazing outside weapon. They just can't use them effectively because Pickett does not present enough of a threat to defenses so they can overcompensate for these weapons that they have around them. The Pittsburgh Steelers are my final pretender. So my three contenders, again, the Vikings, Browns, and Texans. My three pretenders, the Jags, the Steelers, and the Falcons.
0: Well said, Sam Yarnell. Well said. Um, And I, I largely agree. Uh, with a lot of what you're saying. Pittsburgh, it's kind of hard to take them and and put them in the pretender category when they're six and three. I know it has a bit of a feel like the Vikings last year where you just kind of feel like they're fool's gold and they're finding ways to win some of these games in the late minutes. Some of that is Kenny Pickett, though. Um, But I I get where you're coming from, by and large, with a lot of your picks this week. All right, where do I lie when it comes to contender-pretender this week? Well, we got to start... With my contenders and we begin with the Kansas City Chiefs now you might be saying well they didn't even play this week how could the Kansas City Chiefs be a contender I know I don't know how they're a contender to win the Super Bowl and the reason I think they're an even stronger contender to win the Super Bowl than they were a week ago is did you watch the rest of the AFC they went up as a result of everybody else going down in my mind Jacksonville who I love going backwards, Uh, Baltimore, who I love, going backwards. Think of you want about Pittsburgh, going backwards or going forwards. Buffalo, (laughs) going backwards. Everybody's going back. The Dolphins are going back. Everybody's going backwards, which means as a result, the Chiefs go forward. My first contender. The Houston Texans to win the division, See, I could have gone one of two ways with this. I could have said Jacksonville as a pretender and Houston or Houston as a contender. I'm opting to go the route of Houston as a contender. I'm not going to do them both. I'll just do Houston as a contender. Houston as a contender is obvious. The schedule is in their favor. I talked about it with Sam last week on the show. He brought it up. Uh, We talked about it with Matt Verderam of SI last week. He said the same thing. Listen, and there's still time to get in on Houston. I think. I don't think. I don't think we've run out of time when it comes to winning divisions. I mean, where where are we at in the AFC South? Houston's plus two seventy. You can still get them at plus money. Why not go run with the Texans at plus two seventy? Unless you were Sam Yarnell, who got them at a much better price. What was that price,
1: Sam? Four and a half to one, Jason. Four and a half to one. See. Early buyers. I gave it out live on the show, you and did. you said I was crazy. I got to go find the yeah, clip.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I, I believe I would have called you crazy for that at the time. I would have, I would have definitely called you crazy for that. Uh, so our second contender to win the AFC South it is the Houston Texans, the Detroit Lions. Not to be a playoff team, not to win a division, but dare we say to win a Super Bowl? I mean, again. Look at a lot of the teams that are falling backwards. And yes, I know they beat the Chargers this week and they needed to do it in the final seconds against a Brandon Staley coach team that loses every game in the final seconds. But the reality is Detroit won on the road in a season where a lot of teams have their warts, have had a lot of their hiccups in spots like this. Dan Campbell's team figured out a way to get a victory on the road. They're seven and two outside of Philly and I think we all think they can compete with Philly if you put them on the same field in the postseason. I'll go, I'll go with Detroit. Uh, give me the Lions as a contender. Whew, I know, take a deep breath in Detroit to win the Super Bowl, to see them in Vegas. We'll have to wait and see. All right, pretenders, these are easy this week. I hate to say it. It's like, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. We talked about them in the first segment of the show. They just fired their offensive coordinator. They're 5-5 five and five on the season. They're fourth to last in the league in turnovers. Uh, they continue to turn it over at a disgusting rate. You've got head coaches sitting running backs because they fumble the football. You're not Tom Coughlin, and this isn't Tiki Barber. Sean McDermott, <laughs> win something. <laughs> the Bills are a pretender for all the reasons that we have described over the first 25 minutes of this show. The Jacksonville Jaguars, yes, I did it. Don't worry. I did it. We have to call them a pretender. You cannot put together that kind of performance at home coming off a bye. You can't, I mean, you can't do it. Jacksonville, you got to do better than that. I've talked you up all season long. I've talked about the fact that you haven't even played your best football yet. Jacksonville, a pretender to win anything more than a division or a card spot. I still think they're probably going to find a way into the playoffs. But at the end of the day, can you really rely on them to be anything more than that? Not really. Last but not least, the Saints. Pretender to do anything other than win a crappy, craptastic division. They're five and five. They can't keep Derek Carr healthy. They're a mediocre football team at best. I don't care if they're going to win one of the worst divisions in football this year. The Saints are a pretender. Certified. Stamp it. Grade A. Pretender. The Kansas City Chiefs, one of my contenders to win the Super Bowl, even though they didn't even play a game this week. How brilliant are we? The Houston Texans to win the AFC South. A contender. Detroit. To win the Super Bowl, my pretenders: the Bills, Jaguars, and Saints, for all the reasons we just outlined, and that is contender.
1: Pretender. What do you think, Sam? We go the same way on a lot of those. I think any any of your picks yeah. probably would have been on my lists, and any of my picks probably would have been on your list too. Yeah, uh, no disagreement for anything from me.
0: Yeah, I get, and I get the Pittsburgh one. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I. But I get where you're coming
1: from with it, and I get the Bills one. Oh well. Wow. I mean, can,
0: can you not? I mean,
1: well, five, I. I think, five I, and five. I think that there's. I think that there's an argument dead to be made. Last.
0: Like, I mean, come on. We have called
1: them pretenders enough. At one point, are they just bad? Like I, they're just not good then, this see, year. But
0: that's just it, and that's what puzzles me about this. That's not a bad roster. Forget not a bad. Roster. It's a good roster. It's it's a good roster. It's not a five and five roster. It's a seven and three roster. Okay. And seven and three. When you watch the games the team has played this year, they should be seven and three at worst. Totally. They're so, two field goals yes, away from being seven and three. Seven. They're a seven and three football team with a five and five record, and you can't fire players. You can only fire coaches, by and large, when you're talking about the big stars on the team. That's why Dorsey lost his job, and that's why Sean McDermott will likely lose his at the end of the season. That's Contender Pretender. That is Sam Yarnell. He gets to host the show tomorrow. The ghost of Jason might be floating around somewhere. Just saying. Sam, enjoy the rest of your stay in Buffalo. We'll see you tomorrow. See
1: you tomorrow, Jason or see your ghost tomorrow.
0: (laughs) Kurt Heelan of Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com will join us next on the show. Don't go anywhere. The Sports Wrap continues on this Tuesday. Continuing on this Tuesday edition of the show, we've done the NFL Monday Night Football. We've done the Ken Dorsey firing. We've done contender-pretender. Now let's talk some NBA. Bringing in my man, Kurt Heelman. Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com is his jam. Hangs out with us here on the show. Um... So I was talking about this, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, I always say this, but the day's kind of all mixed together for me. I was talking about the, the warriors Stephen Curry problem, and when I said that, people were like, what are you talking about, Stephen Curry? Well, the problem is he's the only guy on the team that can score. The problem is he's the only guy on the team that can consistently put up numbers for them. Forget having a second or a third option, they'd just be happy to have a consistent second option. This is, a, I don't know, going into last night. I don't know if they played last night. They were a 6-5 team. Where is that secondary offense going to come from if we're talking about this Warriors team and them being a real contender?
2: Yeah, the, the stat that I love on that is no Warrior outside of Steph Curry has scored more than 20 points in a game this season. Like, none. Uh, they thought it was going to come from Andrew Wiggins and he's at 10 points a game shooting 15% from three. He has not been that guy. Chris Paul's a facilitator at this point. Clay Thompson is better. He has taken a step forward, but he's, he just doesn't have like, he's just not going to be the same guy anymore. He is not the Clay Thompson who, and that's kind of why the contract issues had been there. Like, you're not going to max him out. Like you're not going to. Where do you go with Clay Thompson? Because he's he's a good player still. He is a solid, quality NBA player who can get you shoot some buckets. But he can't begin to. Def- I mean, remember he was an All NBA defender. He's not that guy anymore. They're just all around lacking that guy. And it's going to be interesting to see if if Wiggins doesn't snap out of it, they may need to go into the deadline and think. Well, where do we go? What what do we do if we're really going to make a run at this this year? If we think we can make a run at this this year, and the West outside of Denver, who you know, look, they're a little slowed right now without Jamal Murray, but Denver's Denver; they're the bar. If we think we're we've got a shot, then we got to take that shot right now. And and do you make a trade at the deadline to go get the Marta Rosen, whoever it might you know, whoever that might be who becomes available, who could add that second scoring punch they need?
0: Is this a situation, you know, I, I remember talking to this ad nauseum with you last year about the fact that it was time to break up this team. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be, you know, in, 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 when we look back at this a year or two from now, are we going to be talking about a situation where they they held on for one year too long, two years too long, rather than starting to break it up and figure out what the what the future of this franchise looked like?
2: possibly if if they really does fall short, we'll, we'll kind of say that if they pull it together and make a run to the conference finals, then it's different. And I think that that's what they see. They see themselves as a good team with that's kind of flawed right now, but a good team. And there's nobody else. It's again, it's just Denver. And then who's your second best team in the West? Phoenix has been not great. I mean, honestly, right now probably best in the West is Minnesota. Minnesota's look great. But um I know how much Jason you would like to bet big on them in the playoffs with this lineup <laughs> so um, like if with, your out, with your money only with yeah. your only with your money Yeah exactly <laughs> both dollars um they I, 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 by the way they'd be a sneaky good bet for in-season tournament like I don't know if I like I don't trust them long term but hot team right now nobody's expecting Rudy Gobert's playing great like anyway Off topic. I just, I think that they, we may look back on it this way. We may look back and say they should have just moved on from clay, which they might do this summer. They, they, it was time to break this thing up, but internally they don't really want to, it still sells, still sells tickets. It still fills the building. It's what I said. It's exactly what I said.
0: It's exactly what I said at the end of the show the other day. It's still good enough to get people into the seats because you don't want to be the giants, who play next door. And what happened was yeah. as soon as the Giants crashed, all those expensive seats that were sold out every night, all of a sudden they were filled by pigeons and yeah. seagulls. And all of a sudden you're an organization looking around saying, uh-oh, how are we going to fill these expensive seats every night in this expensive arena in this expensive city? And the Giants couldn't do it anymore. They finally pushed the panic button, started to make some moves, got better again. That's that's exactly what Joe Lacob has to be fearful of is if this thing goes south and goes south fast, i got news for you. All those fair-weather Warrior fans aren't showing up.
2: No, and that's why they are a sneaky sneaky option if a superstar does become available. There was distinct interest in Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's obviously off the table since he signed the extension for a few years. Um, if somebody else, and not Carl Anthony Towns, um, who I think will be moved by next summer, but... Uh, or by the end of next, but by, by next the end of next July, Carl Anthony Towns will be somewhere else. But I don't know where because I'm not sure the fifty million dollars for Carl Anthony Towns is a lot of money for um, a guy who brings value. But it's not really what the Warriors need. But if somebody else, is, you know, Siakamogi Ananobi, they, 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 I think that they're going to have to they're going to have to do something to get more talent next to Curry because the core that they've got as much as they may have winning in their DNA and whatever other coaching cliches you want to show out, show up out there, they're old. They're not good enough. Curry is still good enough. And he's it's his age 36 season. Like, with all due respect to LeBron, there's just not a lot more of this left, right? Like, they, the, the window is going to close. And if they think it's open this year, they have to just try to get
0: through it. And I said this on the show um, the other day. You know, the difference between him and LeBron being in the latter years of their career is – LeBron could still do it from a physically imposing standpoint. He could do it with physicality. Curry never has been and never will be that guy. He's a perimeter shooter, makes his own shots, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. It, LeBron could still drive to the basket and the and the waters part and everybody gets out of the way in his 22nd season in the league. That's never going to be the case for Curry. So, no. so the descent might be a little more rapid with Curry. Um, especially if he doesn't have the help and he obviously needs it. Talking with Kurt Heelan of Pro Basketball, talk at NBCSports.com here on the sports wrap. Um, talk about teams that made changes either in the offseason or here early in the season and where they are. Bucks are six and four. We're still sort of waiting for them to. Yeah, I, I saw your eyes there. What, yeah. what's, your, I, I, what's your early impressions 10 games in? I, I, I think it's still too early to panic on this team.
2: Oh it's definitely too early to panic but there are red flags and the two big ones are Chris Middleton's not playing a lot like it, that's i mean maybe he comes around maybe he gets healthy and plays but they they need him cuz they gave up depth they can't have him be anything less than an elite three third option and number two their defense Career is bad. low from three like 34% bottom 10 in the coming weekend, to team who's and the title, to a and so those like baseline for the Was first defense. To the a defense. The oh, just and, and he's, he's playing yeah, um, that's what he's out there doing. Continue keep to be aggressive Walker like this, especially with this lineup. I think he fits in even better. You know, by the way, what's yeah, the best defense they're doing right now? If you look at Boston, who has one of those elite defenses, they just don't get up shots. Zach, I think what the Bucks need to get back to is stop trying to create turnovers and get easy buckets in transition. You especially if you give up two holiday. Hold on, I think two minutes left. I, I am Williams concerned about the direction they're heading. Game. Their, Their on the advanced market. stats are not good, yeah, but they are. Drop. As in the first kids, four games of the world, they're not bad. They still 17, have 17, 17, still 17, a lot of time, time yeah. to figure yeah. this out. But I'm genuinely point. concerned that they're the third best team at best right now in the East with the way Philadelphia is playing and, and the way Boston's playing, like If they're third, that's that's a lot of money you got tied up in two guys to be Oh, you know second tier
0: amazing to see the addition by subtraction in Philadelphia uh and the way that team is playing you mentioned the Celtics beat up on my Knicks last night uh Porzingis and and sort of what that team has been at eight and two in the early going everything you thought they would be
2: yeah they've been great Jason Tatum is probably playing the best basketball of his career he looks MVP caliber uh early on you know um but you mentioned it, Porzingis gave them a little more rim protection consistently. Uh, East Bishop has been healthier than Robert Williams, who's you know, now out for the season up in Portland. Um, they're, it's just all meshed together for them pretty well, and there's still steps. Like Jalen Brown really hasn't found his rhythm yet. You can see stuff that they're still trying to bring together perfectly, but I, I still think they look like the, the team to beat in the East right now, with, with all due respect to Philadelphia, who I – I love Tyrese Maxey. I love Joel Embiid, but I think they need one more shot creator if they're really going to threaten in the playoffs. And that might, all that stuff that they got in the James Harden trade back might be enough to get, again, a DeMar DeRozan or uh, that and some stuff gets you OG Ananobi or that one last piece they need. But I think they still need one more for this the second round of the playoffs and beyond. The very highest top eight teams, I think they need one more guy. Kurt,
0: Phoenix is four and six. We know they added Bradley Beal in the offseason. You sort of look at where this team is right now. It it feels like every time I turn on one of their games, one of their big three is missing, at least. So it it almost feels like a, a, a flashback to the Nets you know with Harden Durant and and Kyrie Irving went, it always felt like one or two pieces of that puzzle were missing do we have a real sense of what phoenix is right now
2: no and just for that reason they they have not had all those guys Beal is trying to get his legs under him Booker like they just haven't had those three guys together for an extended stretch like they need and then we can start to see like you said is the defense good enough i'm not really sold that it's going to be is the depth there the depth has been The concerns about depth have really shown up during this injury stretch, right? Where they just, it just drops off a cliff on nights where, you know, Kevin Durant scores 31 and the rest of the team shoots 33% and can't get it done. And they've got to get those guys healthy. Got to get them back. And then we'll see. I still think there's time for them, but I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that their defense and depth might just do them in. You know, in a West where, again, Denver's looked every bit the world champion when healthy.
0: Um, the Clippers. No. <laughs> let's go trade for James Harden. Uh, we're playing pretty well when we trade for him, and now all of a sudden we've lost five in a row with him. You know what the obvious you know, naysayers are going to say right now? Is yeah. it the adjustment period? I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt here, but it's really hard when it's James Harden and you see one team that he just left where he wasn't even playing that got better when he left. Yep. And the team he goes to is not playing very well and he's on the court. I, there's just no way to get around it.
2: There is definitely still an adjustment period when you watch them. There's a lot of there's four guys playing next to each other. And they're not cutting. They're not help. They're not. They're not doing the things you need a championship team, or or, which they fancy themselves as. But even an elite team, there's not guys moving and getting the ball the same way. It's still just a lot of your isolation and my isolation. Harden's kind of both taken a back seat, and he's just he's not. He's obviously not in peak game. He's not in game shape yet. He's not there, and I'm not sure he's the same quite the same guy. And you can just see it when look, there's key possessions late in games where he gets the ball. Remember what was it? Three years ago, four years ago, if Harden got the ball, any point in the game, you doubled it. It was like instant hard double, get the ball out of his hands. Don't let him. No, no, teams aren't doubling anymore. They'll, they'll put a, a good, they want a quality defender on him, but they'll take the one-on-one risk with him right now. Cause they don't think it can damage them that much. And that's gonna be a problem because everything the Clippers want to do is based on you've got to double Harden, you got a double Kawhi, you gotta double PG. One of those they've got to find a way to start doing that and then moving the ball and making plays. And right now it's just it's it's just a slog. And it's 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 not pretty to watch, by the way, Jason. It's not even fun to watch them play right now. No, it
0: isn't. Uh, and you hope they, they put it together because it's better for the league when the Clippers are good and you've got so you've got star power there and you want to see teams with star power play well and David God Crystal's knows
2: very disappointed
0: and God yeah. knows I'm probably going to have to see them stuffed down my throat on national games late at night and I don't want them to be bad because I want to <laughs> watch those late night games well not late for us here on the West Coast but yeah. late for yeah. all of you around the uh, rest of the country hey Kurt Hale and I always appreciate it my man I didn't even get to talk to you about the Nuggets or uh, my my admiration for LeBron. James, but I'm sure we'll have time to do that as the season progresses. Thank
2: you, my friend. Anytime, Jason. You take care. Kurt Halen
0: hanging out with us on the show. All right, stick around. We're coming back. Finish it up with some odds and ends on the Sports Rep on this Tuesday. Goodbye Today, a quick thought on the start of a new era of big men rivalries, and this is one we hope to see for at least the next decade. It's Chet Holmgren and his Thunder against Victor Wembanyama and his Spurs. Now say nothing for the fact that these are two teams that are in completely different phases of construction. OKC is basically a skyscraper in its end stages of being built, while the Spurs have just finished watching the concrete settle at the foundation and are figuring out what they want the building to look like. As a 40-something that loves the NBA, I think of Ewing versus Olajuwon, or Shaq versus Tim Duncan when I think of big men matchups. Bigs largely played with their backs to the basket, made some shots, got to the free throw line, grabbed some boards, had a few blocks. Rick Smith, Alonzo Mourning, and so on. Now, obviously, the game has changed over the last 25 to 30 years. Some like it, some don't. Mark me down as one who loves watching this generation of bigs in the NBA. Guys that can score inside and out. Is it better or worse than the 90s, big men? Just say it's different. But say this as well. The bigs of the 90s that I grew up loving to watch, they played the way they did, not because they were incapable of doing the things a Wemby or Holmgren will do, but because that was what was expected of them and the way they were coached to play. The scoring first mentality of today's NBA requires bigs be able to do many of the things twos and threes around the league have been doing for decades. And again, that's okay. Not better or worse, just a difference in the way the game has changed through the evolution of said game. That's how we wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Sports Wrap. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, go and do it now or on all your favorite podcasting platforms. You can get the video version of the show in the same place you get the daily podcast. So podcast and vodcast available each and every day, especially over on Spotify. Thank you to Kurt Healan of NBCSports.com for checking out the show. Thanks to Sam Yarnell for hanging out as well. I'm Jason Page. We'll see you tomorrow on the Sports Rep.